what does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 10,000 podcast where we want to help you put God into your 10,000 minutes each week. My name is Sawyer Trapp. I'm our student ministry pastor here at Stapleton Church, and I'm so glad that you're listening back in, joining us for another great discussion. If you listened to the podcast that last week, you know that we are doing something a little different for the next couple of weeks, and we are playing a recording of our question and answer time here as part of our God and Science series. If you haven't heard these messages in this series, it's been really awesome just to see how the narrative of God and science being enemies really isn't true, and that if God is the God over all things, then there's actually a lot of conjunction and connection between God and science. So I'm really excited for you to listen to those sermons if you haven't already. If you have, then really listen in on this discussion. We have geologists Megan Cornelison and Doug Johnson and aerospace engineer Steph Staley, and they answer some really great and thought-provoking questions. So without further ado, let's listen in to this week's Q&A. So we have a few questions that were submitted um, just recently that were texted in, so we're going to get to those in just a second. But before we do, I am going to... No, I'm not going to, but I'm going to let these uh, brilliant scientists kind of introduce themselves Say maybe who you are, where you studied, and, and just briefly, like, what's your field? Yeah. Megan, you want to go first? Yeah. I am Megan Cornelison, and I'm a geologist. Um, been a professional geologist for nine, or sorry, I don't know, PG. Been in the field for nine years, uh, mostly in oil and gas, and went to school at Ohio University, so Midwesterner transplant, and I work in... Um, for a small company called Liberty Resources downtown here, uh, drilling for oil up in North Dakota. Hi, I'm Stephanie Staley, and um, as I said in the video just a few moments ago, I work in aerospace engineering, and I uh, got my degree in astrophysics from University of Boulder or of Colorado. Um, any other CU people here? Um, and I, I guess I'll, I'll just say really quick, I was talking to these guys, it's kind of, um, it's great to be up here, but it, at the same time we're kind of thinking, who are we? We're just, you know, we go to this church and we study physics or geology or whatever, so I'm just praying God's grace over my mouth tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that I don't say anything that's off. <laughs> Doug, you want to? Sure. Uh, I'm Doug Johnson, I'm also a geologist in the oil and gas business. I'm honored to be uh, sitting next to a physicist in the science world. We're not the we're kind of the the dumb guys. They're the smart guys. <laughs> so uh, quite an honor. Um, I have a uh, degree in geology from Baylor University and a master's in geology from the University of Oklahoma. Okay. So I think 
do you want to start with those questions that got texted in, and then we'll pass around the mic if people have some sure. questions. Sawyer, do you want to read those? Sure. Uh, so the first question was in regards to uh, the discussion of the firmament in Psalm 19.1, which says, The heavens declare the glory of God, um, and the firmament shows his handiwork, basically, in the, in the King James Version, at least. Um, so basically, um, the firmament is the sky, conceived as a dome, at least in the Jewish understanding of the text. According uh, to Genesis, God creates the firmament in order to separate the waters above from the waters below. So what would be your take on the firmament, which is mentioned 16 times in the Bible? Ooh, 16 times. Does anybody want to take a stab at this one? Kind of sounds like what you were saying, <laughs> throwing under bus, you know, about the, um, the waters. Yeah. My stab at that is um, kind of when we theorize about the creation of um, our atmosphere, um, that it basically started as a, basically what we think of as of hell, like volcanoes going off, gases in the atmosphere, and all this vapor and gas. And um, to me as a geologist, that's what I I think of in states changing of that condensate or water eventually raining down and forming oceans and dry land and other additions. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It seems like the people who come up with the questions are always pretty bright, and then uh, the guys answering them uh, do the best they can. Um, <laughs> you know, and I don't think we're looking for gotchas, but sometimes you wonder. Um, you know, even if even if you adhere to the fact that uh, or the scientific uh, precept that the Earth is very old, the atmosphere as we know it today would have been quite a bit different um, after the Earth was first formed, and then during the as the Earth continued to form, uh, if you accept the scientific theory over over the billions of years. Since then, so if you were to get into a, a time capsule and you went back um, three or four hundred million years or so, you wouldn't even be able to exist uh, on this planet. The uh, atmosphere would be that different. Um, we also know, you know, from from science, and it's funny to uh, to see the the uh, video from from uh, Apollo 8 in 1968. I know. A lot of the, the Sunday school class we're in is here tonight, so I appreciate that. But there's probably not a whole lot of people here tonight that would have been around in 1968. But uh, it was a it was a big deal, and to see the video didn't show it, but shortly after that, there was uh, a famous uh, photograph, which was turned into a poster, and you could get online and see it today. But it was an Earth rise from the moon, and you can see even in the uh, Earthrise, the layers of uh, atmosphere or firmament um, that the Bible the Bible describes. It's it's really quite fascinating. And the only thing I might add to that too is just that um, I think God gave us images in the Bible that people throughout the history can people throughout history can relate to. And this idea of a firmament. I mean, I'm not a biblical exegesis expert or anything, but this concept of the firmament 
firmament is kind of what you see when you look up into the heavens, maybe. Um, yeah, I think one important thing to keep in mind when you're reading the Bible is that it was a Hebrew cosmology, meaning they viewed the world and the universe a lot differently than we did. I even talked to someone this morning that, have you ever noticed that it doesn't say it was morning and then evening on the first day? It says it reversed. There was evening and then morning on the first day and then the second day. Because in Jewish thought, a day starts at sunset. That's why a Jewish person on Sabbath won't eat from sunset until you know, sunset of the next day, Friday night to all day Saturday, right? So the day, they view things differently, even with the idea of the firmament. Sometimes you'll read in Jewish cosmology that there are multiple heavens. What? How does that work? How can there be multiple heavens? Well, first heaven often, like, just basically is, is the sky, you know, the atmosphere. The second heaven is the universe space. The third heaven is where God is. Um, so they had a different way of viewing the world, this cosmology. So when we try to read back into it, some of these scientific things, maybe that's what it is, or maybe this is just the Hebrew way of describing the universe. So, I don't know, maybe that'll help. Great. The next question is, if the sun is stationary, why does Psalm 19.6 say that it travels in a circuit? Ooh, using one of my own passages against us. Does anybody want to take a stab at that? Again, I think that's something that a person looking up into the sky can relate to. It appears that way to us, and I don't think that it's meant to explain the physics of the solar system. I think it's, it's just a, you know, something, a relatable concept for a human to look up into the sky and see the sun moving through its circuit. Yeah, and, and this brings up one of the biblical concepts that when you're reading it's, it's genre. Okay, That's from Psalm 19, which is literally a song. Have you ever heard a song and maybe you don't take the words exactly literal? Like, I will climb the highest mountain for you. Really? <laughs> Go to Everest. You know, would you swim across the Pacific I for me? Don't, don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor. And <laughs> in that Psalm 19, it, it, when it talks about the sun going on its circuit, it also says, like a bridegroom. So it's saying, just imagine the sun, this stately groom, coming to see his bride for the first time. It's poetry, okay? Sun's, it's not saying the sun is moving on a circuit. And I'm not an astronomist, but I did take... Astronomist? I, did, I know. I don't even know what to say. But the, the sun isn't stationary. The sun moves. It's true. The whole solar system it, goes around the center of the Milky Way, I think. There's another uh, section in Ecclesiastes 1 where it seems like, oh, it looks like the Bible's teaching that the sun moves. But it says that the sun pants. Like... Because it's moving throughout the day and they could just feel the sweat of the hot sun. Okay, the sun actually doesn't pant. Okay, so there's some metaphor in there. Okay, let's be a little brighter. Okay, sorry, I'm jumping in on this Q&A. Okay, were those all the questions we had, Sawyer? I'm going to shut up now and let you guys ask our experts. So if there are some questions, I know there was one back here with Nate. Nate wants to ask that and then we can kind of move on from there. Just raise your hand. Sawyer will bring the mic around to you. Our question was about uh, Joshua 10. There was like a battle going on. I remember the Bible story where God held the sun in the sky for a second. And I wanted to know, like, what's your take on how you think that scientifically explains? I don't think it is. I think it's a miracle. And I think God um, in the Bible has instances where he very pointedly does things that cannot be explained. It's not uh, a normal process. Um, to make a point 
right? And that's one of those cases, the, the virgin birth, Jesus' miracles, him rising from the dead. The point of them is that they're not explainable. They're not the norm. Um, and so that might be a, an example um, with the sun being held still in the sky. How, how, how is that possible? You know, uh, I think it's, it's not. I think it's a miracle. <laughs> Ross, if we want to pass the mic over to Ross. Go easy on Megan. This is Megan's husband. Also geology trained, right? Engineering. Bi- biological engineering. Biological engineering, okay. So I'm not as smart as, as smart as these folks. So I do, I do have a question for the whole panel. And uh, so I think, I think the evidence is, is obviously very convincing in terms of there being a designer and a god. And I haven't read a lot of other religious texts. Um, is there, do any other religious texts explain creation the way that the Bible does? Um, because because a, lot of, a lot of what was said is more of, like, yes, there absolutely is a designer. I, I just haven't read the Quran or anything in Hinduism or, um, or any other religious text. I don't know if you've explored that at all. Does anybody on the panel want to jump in? Maybe this is a question for me, Ross. Yeah, I think it is. Okay, so <clears throat> Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, as well as all their offshoots like Mormonism um, and, and different branches of all those religions, all share the same cosmology, which is God created the heavens and the earth. Um, in fact, most of them point back to Genesis chapter 1. So you would say from that, it, like they all share that same uh, cosmology. There are other ideas of the universe in different sacred religions, and I believe that science would lean us to say, hey, those probably aren't right. Now, I want to say this in love, if there are people practicing other religions here or watching online, but, for example, Hinduism teaches that the universe has always existed. Um, Now, there's different ways of formulating that in Hinduism, but it's like that everything is eternal. It's just like this cycle of life, and that's why there's life and then rebirth, and everything is reborn in a different form, and life just keeps going on and on and on and on and on and on forever, world without end. Maybe you've heard that phrase. Um, so if you look at that, well, it seems that the universe actually has a beginning. So I would say that scientifically it leans us away from religion like that. Does that help? And this isn't, I'm not going to go into every world religion, but that's one example of one that I would say has a different view of how the universe began or that it even began at all. Thank you. Sure. Hi. I think my question is for Matt. I'm a Jew converted to Christianity. My rabbis taught me in our scripture that it didn't begin the way the Western Bible said in the beginning God created. We were taught it started with Elohim, God, from the beginning. Can you help me on? (laughs) I know it's a nuance, but it's a pretty big one on my faith. Yeah. um, Does anybody else know anything about this? So uh, I'm going to take a stab at this because I'm not Jewish. Um, I studied the Hebrew scriptures, learned a little bit of Hebrew. But it, in that first verse, it says, Bereshit bara. Bereshit bara, in the beginning, created, and then it says, Elohim, God. So, yes, um, so I'm, I'm trying to parse out the differences between that. We believe that, yes, there was God, and he created everything. Now, one thing that may be interpreted is that nothing that I mentioned. In the Hebrew, it's a really interesting phrase that says, Tohu vavohu, formless and void. Formless and empty is what we saw today. Now, that phrase can be very in- interpreted a lot differently by Jews. 
because they say, hey, it looks like it wasn't nothing. It was this formless void. Okay, was, is that nothing or formless void? I don't know. I wasn't there. That phrase is only used, it, it's a very poetic phrase, tohu vevohu, right? It's only used one other time in the entire scriptures in the book of Jeremiah, and it seems to indicate the end of time in that phrase. So it even could be like a term of chaos. So it's possible that there was this things that God took to create everything. So that would be the Jewish understanding, that he took everything. So he didn't create ex nihilo from nothing, but that he created from this formless void. And from that. So I, I feel like it's a little bit of parsing, um, like, like splitting hairs there. Um, but we are indicated through the rest of scriptures, and that's why I quoted a, a Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. I don't know if you noticed this, because I believe that the New Testament teaches that Greek, uh, it, I'm sorry, not Greek, but the Latin phrase ex nihilo, which means from nothing. The God created from nothing, and I believe Hebrews 11.3 helps us reinterpret Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Okay? Sometimes Scripture helps us understand Scripture. But a Jew doesn't believe in Hebrews because it's in the New Testament. So that's why we might have a different interpretation of it. Did I go too deep on that one? Okay. <laughs> Right. Oh, we'll come here next. We have one over on this side. Thanks. Uh, hi. Uh, so my question for the panel is, in your fields and anything you've studied, has there been anything that you've learned about that's been either uh, particularly challenging for your faith or um, a particularly powerful uh, spiritual revelation? I have um, a Let's see, like a kind of an aha affirming to me story about my junior year as a geologist. We were, as an instructional geology, learning about crenulation folds and folding. And if you've been to the Appalachians, you've been here, you've seen rocks bending. Um, What kind of blew my mind and what really solidified for me or the, the aspect of design was like when you're studying folds in the mountain and as geologists we take field geology where we have to go out and map rocks and take dips and um, orientations of these folds. Um, if you measure a tiny crenulation fold, which is like could be the size of your fingernail, um, the way that the mountains are squished together the pressures align the minerals and the crenulation folds, that that fold axis mimics the entire axis of that mountain. And to me, I was like, uh, yeah, like, this isn't a random mountain building toddler throwing things together. Like, that just blew my mind that the tiny crenulation folds have the same axis as the giant mountain in front of you. Like, it just... That moment, to me, was really an awesome God moment in my studies. Um, A lot of geologists, I can't speak for you, but a lot of geologists end up in geology because they can't get past calculus for or differential (laughs) equations or whatever whatever it might be. But uh, but one thing that, that... where I did become interested in, in geology was 
it incorporates a lot of the sciences. You don't have to be an expert in any one, but you learn about a lot about uh, not just geology, but physics, biology, chemistry, uh, math, you know, a lot of different uh, types of mathematics and, and, and so many other kinds of sciences. And so in that, um, while it is, uh, you're more of a generalist and you have specialty like structural geology, but you're more of a generalist in in uh, science and math, and so so I like that. And but along the same vein, in studying all of that, you just you learn how complex the Earth or, or the world, the universe, is from the the very subatomic scale to the galactic scale, and. In learning that, it's like in many of the, the quotes that were on the board, you can't help but, that can't help but draw you, uh, at least in my experience, closer to God. Yeah, I think for me, as I mentioned, I was not a believer when I was studying physics. But then later, coming to, to know the, the God of the Bible personally in relationship through Jesus, um, I think then it opened my mind and my eyes to see God in what I had studied before. And I think what really, I mean, not just the intricacy and the beauty of mathematics and you know, the age of the universe, the size of the universe, the nature of lightness, of light and darkness, um, all of that, uh, it just seemed to me like there were so many uh, revelations about him that did match what I, what I knew of him and read of him in his word. Um, and I think especially like all of the, the layers upon layers of metaphors that we find in the physical world for the sort of transcendent spiritual truths, um, I think that's just really amazing. Yeah, you, in your video, I had to cut it, you talked about relativity related to your faith. Could you, could you talk about that a little bit? Um, sure. Uh, so I guess um, if you're familiar with Einstein, as, as uh, Matt was talking about earlier, he had come up with some theories um, that describe space-time. Um, so there's general relativity, there's special relativity, um, and basically, I guess what I was saying in the video is that, um, well, this is still this is a theory to to mathematically describe what we observe in the universe. Um, well, it's a, a theory we can actually observe uh, the effects. As Einstein predicted, um, there are satellites orbiting the Earth right now at thousands of miles up going really high speeds, and there are atomic clocks on board these satellites. And we can measure the relativistic effects. So the clocks, uh, I guess what I should say is that um, space-time is a continuum, and um, the rate of the flow of time is relative to an observer's reference frame. And um, if you're at a, as you approach the speed of light, or if you're... Um, in a really strong gravitational field, time slows down. It's all really complex, mysterious, wonderful stuff. Um, and while it is still a theory, we can observe that in these, on these atomic clocks. Um, so what I, I think what I was saying in the video is just that, um, you know, when people start to argue about time, uh, I think we're, we start to get into stuff that's really complicated. And no matter what we think we know, we're probably way off. <laughs> time is... is um, to quote Doctor Who, it's a wibbly wobbly, tiny whiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think just the concept of, of time is, is, to me, anything that we, we study in science makes me um, 
all the more worship God for how far above us he is. Um, but this concept of time, when we start to argue about it, I think we just, we don't really know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Any other questions? One here, Drinda in the back, and then one over here. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was just curious what you knew about dark energy and dark matter, and I've heard some people say, well, that's God, like, in the background or whatever, if you have any opinions on that. So let me reach way back into my memory. Um, (laughs) So I believe that dark matter was kind of, it's a little bit similar to this idea of the cosmological constant. It was a possible explanation um, to to explain why the universe is expanding at the rate that they believe it is expanding, or why that expansion is accelerating or decelerating. Um, and by the way, it sounds like there's still no agreement um, on, you know, is it, is it accelerating in its expansion or decelerating? Um, but they had to come up with another explanation um, because the amount of matter that we see in the visible universe was not enough to explain um, what, what they were observing or what, what they believed they were observing with the expansion of the universe. And so um, there's a lot of debate right now over whether they even need that dark matter uh, explanation. Um, I hadn't heard that it was, it was God, though. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't heard that one. I'll have to look that up. Answer your question? My question just goes back to time. Um, I've long felt that what hubris led us to believe that we knew what a day was for God, that our perception of time is based on our 24-hour sun-revolutionary place in the cosmos. It is not based on the cosmological theory that, you know, God is God's time, not ours, and that it could be 10 million years, certainly not 24 hours, and that I'm so glad that the scientific community has gotten to a point where it is more and more accepted in the religious communities that not everything can be taken as literal and at face value. So I, um, I don't, so one of the, the things that comes to mind though is that if time and space are a continuum, um, as we can postulate and somewhat observe, um, when God speaks and creates reality, when he spoke and the universe leapt into existence, does that have to mean he just created the, the matter and the energy? Or does that mean that he created the time? So it kind of goes back to what you were saying before, Matt, about a really good author creating a history. Um, so it, it may be that he spoke 15 billion years into existence. I don't know. I, I really have, have uh, I'm, I'm expecting when I get to heaven to be very humbled because everything I thought I knew, I probably will find out I was completely wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I think time is complex. But I also am one who tends to read the scripture fairly literally, and I think God knew when He wrote the scripture that human beings would read a day as 24 hours because He put us on this planet, and we're we're 
experiencing days as 24 hours. So I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but I tend to, to think, you know, it, I would prefer to read things literally. Uh, I think it's probably dangerous maybe to get too far off of the literal reading of scripture, but that's just my opinion. One of the questions that Matt asked us um, was, what would, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And my question would be, how do you define a day? <laughs> I don't think it would answer all the rest of the questions, but it's a start. <laughs> what, one of the theories I heard from talking to our scientists was that, what if God created the universe on the edge of a black hole? Because this goes back to relativity. Because when you're there, like time stops, supposedly. I mean, we, I guess we don't really know. So what if it really was a 24-hour time clock, but billions of years are happening? And I was like, oh, that's, that blew my mind for a, for a moment when I was like, oh, never thought of that. So could it be both? Ooh. Go home and chew on that one. What, one thing from a scriptural per- perspective, whenever I try to interpret scripture, I always think, what's the purpose of this scripture? And so why did God take six days instead of three? Why not one day? He could have done it all in one day. Well, I think the the answer to that, in my mind, is the seventh day. He didn't even need to work at all on the seventh day, yet he was very specific. On the seventh day, I rested. Hey, guys, so you should rest too, you idiots. You're not as powerful as I am. Take a day off, right? So I think part of it is the purpose. Like, we need to see this structure of six days so that we work for six days and take a day off. Okay? And worship God. Come to church here. Or wherever. Take a day off. So I think that's part of the purpose behind it. You know, how you interpret the exact details of it, up for debate. Okay, um, any other ones? Because I'm going to say maybe one, this last one from Sawyer, unless we have anybody else, and then we'll wrap up for the evening. Oh, I get the last question. That seems powerful. <laughs> Use your power wisely. <laughs> so maybe this is this is a whole other Q and A, maybe, but. I, I think there's often seemingly a strife within the Christian community on the issue of climate change. Maybe not even a question, but <laughs> what, are, what are some of your thoughts on that topic? And how would, you, how would you encourage the Christian community to engage on that topic? I'll let you guys handle that. I'll leave that to the geologist. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll tread lightly, but go into it a little bit. Um, certainly, the climate is changing. There's, you know, there's scientific evidence to support it. Likewise, there's also scientific evidence that would show the climate has changed constantly over over the history, the known history of the Earth. Um, you know, even in the 1800s. Uh, Many ice ages occurred. Um, rivers that had, had not frozen froze. Things happened. Um, volcanic events, natural causes can can uh, affect climate. Um, when you have a you know a, the Earth seems to be get as as the population grows, the Earth seems to get smaller, smaller by the day. Um, when I was a kid, just even thinking, you know, of, of communicating with people in different different countries was just un, unfathomable. 
my wife and I spend a fair amount of time in uh, Africa uh, almost every year, and the, our, our phone, believe it or not, works better there than it does here. The, the earth is just getting that much smaller. There's that much more demand on resources. Uh, population is, is growing. Um, so kind of a long way around to answer your question. I think man definitely can influence climate, uh, but there are also uh, physical processes, natural processes uh, that have and continue to have uh, a huge impact on climate as well. And I would add that as um, God created us last and to be stewards of all the animals and all of the earth that, um, you know, we think the same out the world's going to end, but, you know, Revelation um, and Jesus will come again and and things will be different, possibly. So I, I believe in a stewardship. You know, if we see that we're having worse flooding and worse um, tidal flooding and stuff, you know, I, I do believe that society should adapt and um, work for work around that and not be in um, denial that things are happening, um, no matter if they believe the reason why. I think we need to have our Eyes open on that one. Pastor Matt, I was going to switch topic a little bit on an observation from the sermon, if you don't mind. Sure. I was listening intently, but I was doing some math okay. while you were speaking. So, um, for example, when, when you were saying uh, as many as 200 factors that would cause us to be here at this place at this time... Um, and that's 200 that we know, so I took the liberty of thinking there's probably more. But if you, so I started doing uh, 200 factorial, 200 times 199 times 198, and so on. But I was listening intently to the sermon oh, yeah. at, at the same time. Um, and I got from 200 to 190 factorial, then I stopped. Because the number at that point was 1.5 times 10 to the 25. So, but I, I did want to connect the dots because I don't know the exact number, Pastor Matt, but I know there's multiple tens, if not hundreds, of prophecies relating to Jesus that are in the Old Testament. And so, again, you know, you do the math, and every single one has come true. So, when you think about the probability of us even existing, same math applied to each of those prophecies, they all came true. And that's just, I mean, that blew my mind, but anyway, I just want to point, make that point. That's good. That's good. Okay. Well, thank you guys for sticking around for our Q&A. Can we give our panel a round of applause? Okay, so um, before you leave, stop by and see the metros. Peter and Diane are in the back with boxes for Operation Christmas Child. You can grab one of those, fill it, return it. Um, make sure you come back next week. We're going to talk about evolution. Ooh, interesting. We have a microbiologist, brilliant guy, who's going to be our single panel for next week. We have a lot of geologists in our church, it turns out. Only one biologist. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, this is church... <laughs> 
Okay, okay. Um, let me say a prayer, and we are going to head at it from here. Um, Lord God, thank you so much for this evening that we can come, we can ask questions, we can learn. And in a spirit of humility, Lord God, I pray that you continue to help us learn more about you and about our universe. That we could go out of here with humility as we discuss these things, talk about different theories, our ideas. Uh, and Lord God, I pray that we would just be driven to you and that we could go out and do all of that in love. Amen. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening into that awesome discussion. I really am excited about where these questions and answers are leading to, and I look forward to the ones coming up soon. Make sure to subscribe to the 10,000 podcast. Tell one friend about it this week so we can all go deeper in our faith and bring God into our 10,000. Thanks for listening. See you next week.